When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome, Radical Ones, to the Radical Retro Rewind Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Hunter, as always. Today, we are continuing summer camp with Friday the 13th, Part 3. And I have a very special guest today to help me discuss this film. He's an accomplished writer and a graduate of Miami University's creative writing. And one of the biggest horror fans I know, Mr. Mark Anthony Brownlee. Thank you so much for being here. I know him as <laughs> <laughs> That's all good. I said typically the only person that calls you Mark Anthony is my mom, but it's all good. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Anthony, I'm so excited to have you. Like I said, not only are you a huge horror fan, but you are an author. You have written 10 books and currently have six of them published. Do you want to just give like a, a little history of where you began, your inspiration? Um, writing for me started at a really young age, as early as I'd say seven or eight. And of course, back then it was mostly just like little short stories, you know, just little things, kind of like, you know, things I would see on TV or in life and just try to make my own through that but what really got me into stories was actually watching the original Nightmare on Elm Street when I was five. I was shown that film when I was five years old and I fell in love with that story mostly because it scared the holy crap out of me. <laughs> At that, I could only imagine. As afraid as I was of that film I constantly kept watching that film because I was it was like magnetic it just kept drawing me back to it even though i would have yes. nightmares about it and and as i got older and i really started you know wanting to know if i can actually write a, a story you know on a book level like i didn't get to that point till i was about 20 years old so in the back of my mind which and it's kind of funny because i'd heard this saying before this was the saying that i heard will smith say once you know him you know in the 90s when he would do his you know music and things like that he always said that thriller was like his all-time favorite and in the back of his mind he's always chasing thriller and i kind of didn't get by that at first you know that just that statement he made but then i got it later because i'm constantly chasing after nightmare as i write because that was the first story that scared me and the first story that i truly love that when i write stories oh, I i'm that. seeking that particular high in the horror genre you know to get a reaction from other people how I felt about that film, but through my own writing. I love that. And I feel like people don't give horror movies. I mean, nowadays things are turning around. Yeah. But usually people don't think of horror movies like this. But man, if they don't inspire people and clearly look at you here all these books later, my God. I, I, there's something about the horror genre, I feel like that not only has great people yeah. as oh, fans. Yeah. <laughs> 
but there's a sense of community oh, and yeah. Anthony, you have pretty much met everybody. <laughs> Like, I mean, if you see Anthony's Instagram page, especially if you are a horror fan and a movie fan, I mean, you've met like broad oh, yeah. spectrum of genres, oh. but horror wise, oh my God, Anthony, you've met everyone. Yeah, I've, I've, I started going to horror conventions in 2007 and I had been going faithfully uh, for you know, 12 years up until, you know, the, the pandemic started, you know, unfortunately I had gone through since 2007, I have always been at a convention and at my peak, like right in the middle there, you know, between maybe like 2013 and 20, uh, maybe like 2015, I, I could have easily have done about five cons a year. Just, yeah. And I was just going everywhere that I could just go. I mean, I've gone as close is here home and you know in Cincinnati um and as far as California to a con so it's just been it's just been a wild ride and like what you said earlier about community I've met like some of the greatest people in my life um at horror cons because as a kid like I you know I was like that kid that was you know I had like zero friends and you know my mind was always in the clouds because you know I just had this you know you know, dreaming, you know, kind of creative mind. And, you know, when I go home, I just turn on horror movies. And so those became friends, basically, were horror movies. And when you go to these horror cons, you realize that you weren't the only one that felt like that. Or not even just the cons, but in the horror community in general, that, you know, you're not the only one that felt yes. like that. And it's just like, wow, like, you know, and it's like, man, I've really found my people. Like, you know, it's like, you know, there's just like some of the greatest people, like, I will like ever know. So it's, it's been really good. And you saying that, Anthony, I love that because people will think of horror and they'll say, oh, these people love just people getting tortured or killed. And that's not even half of really right, what right. it is. I mean, it's the stories, these challenges, these heroines, mm -hmm. especially even in this series that we're been focusing right. on. I think they're inspiring. Definitely. They are definitely. I mean, that's what, and that's the main thing I love about writing. I love creating these worlds, taking my hero or my hero because I, I actually do both now and you know putting them basically through the ringer but always looked at horror films as like somebody rising to the occasion to become a hero or a heroine not that they're not to be not that they want the glory or the gratification they just do what they have to do and I think Wes Craven said it best to Heather Langenkamp when when he said it wasn't that Nancy Thompson was fearless she was afraid you know there is a huge fear factor in, you know, what she was going through, but she knew that there was more than fear at play and had to kind of rise above it or, you know, in a sense, take the fear along with everything else and but still just go forward to make sure she survived at the end of the day, you know, basically. And that's how I look at horror films. And speaking of Heather and Nancy, <laughs> Anthony is a friend of of Heather. I mean, you've met her how many times? I mean, she's the inspiration behind one of your your books as oh, well. Oh yeah, she yeah she definitely is. My book um, was well, actually my first thriller book that I ever wrote. I attempted to write a thriller, which she actually had me. She she gave it to me as an assignment in 2013. It was like I used to write a little bit differently with like screenplay and prose combined. Which prose people don't know yes. prose is just basically the traditional way. But I would combine the two because I love film and I love writing. So I was like, let me like really combine these. And she pretty much has every book that I've ever written. And when she saw that, you know, she's like, I want you to write me a book, just traditional prose. I want it to be between 150 to 200 pages. And I'm going to give you two <laughs> years to write it. And I was like, okay. She's like, I really think you have a lot of success with just the prose writing. And so I was able to hand her that book literally one day off, almost two years to that day at another convention. That is amazing, Anthony. So can we get her to star in a movie adaptation of one of yeah, your books? Every time I write one, I'm like, she would be perfect for this role, <laughs> for this <laughs> all my all my heroines and and even my heroes they all have to have a little bit of nancy thompson in them so they're like my characters are, are 100 percent original but you know at least 
you know, 2%, 3% Nancy Thompson. Like, she's got to be in there somewhere. Because to me, she's the epitome of what a heroine should be. I love it. You heard it here, <laughs> folks. Do you see what horror could do for you? <laughs> I mean, not only is it the community, these uplifting hero stories. And you're right. These people that don't even choose to be put in hey, this situation a lot of the you know, times. It's life, you know. Life can be scary. And, you know, because people always say, well, why does it have to be horror? Because some things in life are scary. Like, they don't necessarily have to be supernaturally scary it could be as scary as you know losing a loved one or you know not knowing where your next meal is gonna come from or you know i mean the kid that you know goes to school and is afraid because he's being bullied you know it i mean that or you know that those are different types of horrors that people just don't think about you know so you know that's a lot of my inspiration behind some of that because i went through a lot of that stuff so when you go through these things to be able to write it down and use it in stories like this it's nice to have you've gotten through it and now you can write a story with similar beats of what's happened to even in your life so i love writers (laughs) i'm so fascinated by people who can write and i love it. Friday the 13th part three. What is it about this one, Anthony, that when you saw it, set it apart from the others off camera before we recording, you did mention it was in one of your top five horror movies of all yes, time. It is that film. I first, and I still remember when I first saw it, but well, well, saw it, I guess say, say when I saw it fully. So I remember being a kid and, you know, you know, back in the day, TV, you know, USA up all night and monster vision, you know, yes, USA. And so I remember catching part three, like parts of it. Like I remember mostly like the beginning and then, you know, the kid, you might've changed the channel to another horror film and then maybe came back and, you know, then it just kind of slips you, you know, however it did. But I really saw the entire thing when I was about 12 years old. I had, so this would have been around 98. I actually had my grandmother record. There was a mini marathon of Friday the 13th coming on because it was Friday the 13th. And I think they were doing the first four or first five movies. And uh, he was able to record the first four for me, which, you know, I was cool with. And then, you know, obviously in between that was part three. And I had seen part one times, part two, and, you know, part four. But somehow part three had just kind of eluded me a little bit. And, you know, when I finally caught it, you know, the whole thing, I was like, man. I said, what is it about this? It was just something I just kept, that was the one I just kept watching the most. I always rewinded this, you know, recorded, you know, VHS with commercials and it was edited <laughs> to hell. Like, you know, like, but I didn't even know it was edited that bad being on TV because I had never seen the, the thing in its entirety before. So it wasn't until two years later when I was 14, I actually finally got it on VHS. And when I saw it on VHS, it was like watching the movie for the first time all over again because they had cut out so much stuff in this version. I can't imagine what they put on TV, like the TV cut. It's probably like... <laughs> think if I still had that recorded VHS somewhere, just to like have a VCR put that in. Oh man. I mean, they cut out all the stuff with Chili and Chuck, so you never even see those characters until Chris almost runs over the old kind of vagabond in the road because they cut out the whole smoking oh. scene and all that. All of that was cut out completely. I never saw that until I got the VHS, so I never knew that that even existed. Like, who are these two people that just came out of the van? <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, of course, you know, the you know, run of the death scenes were all cut down. So, you know, which back, I mean, those I expected to be cut down, but just those little scenes in between that I had just had no idea that were, you know, that weren't there. And I was just like, like you know and then it was just when i got it on vhs i watched it almost every day i remember being in the eighth grade around that time and i just i remember being in homeroom at one point just thinking about it like no no it wasn't homeroom it was english class it was english class because it was like about i would say about maybe like 12 30 1 30 in the afternoon i just kept saying man i can't wait to get home so i can watch this movie again just sitting there thinking about it as the teacher like the lesson you know i'm just like that's how i knew i just really connected with you know friday the 13th part three there's just so much to it you're right they become your friends because that was dawn of the dead for me i was in i would be in ninth grade too and i'm writing what if they flew off in the helicopter and where did they go (laughs) and like (laughs) 
<laughs> I want to watch it again. Uh, and I, I remember I could just rewatch a movie over and over. It's like one of those literally the next day, like, you know what? It's a Saturday. I'm not doing anything. Let's let's watch those <laughs> friends again. Let's see this adventure. Oh, man, it is. That was uh, those are like the like some of the best times, you know, even just thinking about those. It felt like there was like such an innocence in the 90s or something that was just, you know, I think because it was just like kind of like my birth of just really getting into horror films. And it just always makes me think about that time. Like, you know, just when I was really getting into, you know, horror films. Because like, I'm always so thankful I was in that era where they had, you know, Monster Vision and USF all night. And got to see like the pure yes. 80s horror films that, you know, you there's no way they like show those on TV now. It's either you have to have the physical media or you have to have some sort of streaming service. And I'm still very much a physical media person. So I agree. There's nothing that beats like a physical media knowing you have oh. it. It's not going to be lost. Like you said, like they'll probably show Friday the 13th, oh, yeah, yeah. but around Halloween, right, right, if yeah. anything. Yeah. Right. I mean, USA all night. Oh my God. I love that. <laughs> Anthony. <laughs> That is bringing me back. We did live in an innocent time, I feel like, growing up in the 90s yeah. like we did. I mean, they kind of felt like my, you know, the 80s for me, even though, you know, nothing can really touch the 80s, but they would show so much 80s stuff. It just felt like, you know, I was kind of like living in the second hand of 80s or something. I think we were. I think it, the 90s was like 80s light. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like it, it had like remnants of what was cool about the 80s. Yeah. And then 2000s came and then just Oh well, yeah, it was gone. Like as soon as it happened, it was like it snatched it all away. <laughs> And there goes the innocence. Yes. <laughs> and now we're here yeah. in 2021. <laughs> oh, man. It was like a million years ago now. It's, it's, oh, that's so crazy. I mean, they make modern remakes, of course, of things, but there's these charms to these 80s slasher movies mm -hmm. and that cannot be replicated at all, unfortunately. Really, they can't. And it's like, they, they produce like some of the just most like unique characters that, you know, just when I think about it, because, you know, going back to my books a little bit. So when I write, I always in my head, I'm always thinking about that time. And like, you know, I love writing slasher horror novels, but I like to call I like to call my horror dramatic horrors. Like, you know, you know give a little bit of, you know, that sophistication on them a little bit to like, you know, that there's in between the horror. It's somebody's life, you know, the regular things that they're doing. And, you know, that's what you are introduced to when you're watching these horror movies. Is somebody just living their, right. you know, best life in a sense. And all of a sudden this, you know, this horror element comes in. And when it came to like Friday 3, what I loved about it was, well, one was Chris Higgins, you know, played by Dana Kimmel. She is my favorite heroine of the entire franchise. I wrote that down to ask you because I remembered a while ago you had mentioned that and I'm like is it Chris? I think mm -hmm. it's Chris and then when you said part three was your favorite it's yeah. like okay I think it is Chris so so Chris Higgins what is it about Chris? Is it her backstory? Is it how she deals with everything? Is it both? Is it the actress? I think it's a like combination of all of that really. You know she was just such a unique entry and a unique character especially when you find out that there's like this, you know, like I said, this backstory with her and Jason that, you know, that happens between, because, you know, if you watch part two, after Alice is killed, there's that five-year jump. So, you know, in between that bright light popping up, this happens to Chris Higgins, yes. and it's kind of like, like, why like why did he specifically, you know, target her? Why, when she, you know, talked about how she blacked out, that she just woke up in her own bed? Like, why was she not killed? Yes. You know, there's such this mystery about her, and another thing I love about her is that it pretty much in the the entire you know paramount franchise of the you know uh, or i guess say sector of friday the 13th she's the only brunette every other girl is a blonde they yeah they definitely have a a, a blonde final girl thing going yeah <laughs> she was like the only brunette that ever came through and i was like i just remember one day that hit me like man she is she's the only like brunette girl in here and you know she had such an innocence about her like because to me dana kimmel like she's like gorgeous like she's just a gorgeous you know woman like you know in that film knows she just yes. had like this innocence about her and just you know she reminded me a little bit of nancy thompson a little bit for, for something like she oh i love know, that yeah about her you know this you know kind of correlates with nancy a little bit to me because chris is actually in my not only is you know friday the 13th part three in my top five horror movies but chris higgins is in my top five heroines like because she to like just just the things that she did, because, you know, a lot of times, you know, these, it was always, you know, the girl and the guy, you know, they were, they were surviving. And, yes. you know, but I felt like she was really the first, like, one that really 
took on Jason like alone. You know, Jenny kind of had Paul kind of intervene a little bit and, you know, and all that. But she was complete because Rick is killed. And, you know, she's pretty much on her own, just running through, you know, the woods and just managing to slip away. And so good. I mean, even when later on, Anthony, when she's back in the cabin and she breaks the window and is like holding oh, yeah. on to like slide down. To, I mean, she's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. she did. A, I feel like she did a lot, you know, really a lot, you know, with her you know, time in the uh, in the film and. You know, just learning about her more and more. Just, you know, I just always wish that they had brought her back for a, another one. Just to really, like, dive back into that story of, like, you know, the, or the backstory of, like, Jason and her and, you know, what that kind of meant. And, you know, I just thought it always would have been really interesting, you know, to do that. That's why I've always been really interested in, like, modern day sequels as opposed to, you know, remakes. Yes. Like the Laurie Strode almost in the right. Halloween that you can continue the right. story and kind of forget about the other sequels <laughs> and that may right. happen. <laughs> like, I just think it's interesting. Chris would have then, to your point, Anthony, would have faced Jason twice at that right. point and then survived. Right. Typically with a lot of these, like, you know, what always got me about the Friday the 13th franchise is that most of the time it was almost like a one and done for everybody. Like, you know, uh, Jenny was there the one time Chris was there, and, uh, Trish, but then, you know, you had a few people come back like, you know, Alice came back for part two, but, you know, unfortunately knocked off so soon but then you had tommy jarvis who was like not only in one but you know three sequels character wise but other than that it was almost like a one and done for everybody going into part seven you know it was just uh tina shepherd law and you know just it was kind of unique would you group the first three almost in their own world because they kind of part one like you were saying we get alice in the beginning of part two to carry that over and then in this one they show end up showing the last scene of part right. two they kind of like change it a little mm -hmm. to show that but i like that they kind of carry on and they show then Ginny in the news that she survived right. and you know they kind of do that thing with the oh we found eight mm -hmm. bodies i feel like the first three just seamlessly follow this story really yeah, well i definitely i definitely feel like that there was something really good about those those first original ones because even like going after part three like you know it carries right on into part four where now it's like the night after it's like bam 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 and then like you know then they bring in rob part four who's talking about his sister sandra from part two you know and it's just you know i said that was like I had never seen a T uh, or sorry, a film series like that where it just, you know, might have one where it can, like, you know, Halloween one and two are connected. Hellraiser yes. one and two is kind of picks up right where it left off. And, but this one, it's just like three films back to back that just pick up right where they left off. I said, that's so different. You know, and matter of fact, right in part four, doesn't it pick up? He's like in the barn where they just left him in this right. one. They just left his body <laughs> right. go away with Chris. Right, he still got like the axe in his like head where like she chops it. And that's another thing I love about Chris. She is the only one that left that permanent mark on him because after she hits him in that app, that mark on the yes. ass is in every single sequel after that. And I'll always. You know, I didn't even think yeah. of that, Anthony. That's she right. She left a permanent mark on her. Every time I see that, I said, Chris Higgins did that. <laughs> <laughs> she left her stamp. <laughs> Is Jason a live human being at this point? So Chris, you know, basically hangs him for a moment right. in this. And he's able to survive that as right. well. So is he a man at this point that just so happens to have this body that's super strong? Would you say Jason is a man right now? Or is he an entity? Is there something with the Crystal Lake that we see him being the boy in the first was it real? Crystal Lake? Is it a curse? <laughs> that's a lot of questions. I don't digest that. However, I've all <laughs> I mean, I have always, because, you know, people always say, oh, well, Jason, you know, and Michael always, you know, they're always walking after their victims. I say, you know, Jason ran in the beginning, and I always thought that he was human, but kind of felt like he was just, you know, maybe a, a little bit more superhuman. Not necessarily I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. Not, not like a, a like a demon in a sense, but just something a little bit otherworldly that you know maybe right. there is kind of a curse on Crystal Lake, and he was still kind of you know human form, but you know. A little bit of extra to him because he's got the Voorhees blood in him, or you know something like that. And, you know, 
They're very tough right. to go. Pamela <laughs> Right, you know. So, like, and that's another reason I or, or wish they are kind of uh, really, you know, kind of brought in the Elias Voorhees character just to really kind of see because he's really, like, the true carrier of this Voorhees line. And, like, you know, what is it about him that, you know, so. You know, so there's a lot of, there's still, like, a little mystery, like, surrounding Jason. So, you know, I mean, that's what prequel films are always the best for is just having that little extra to him about that to do that. so i actually felt like he really was dead like he was dead after part four tommy you know and all i said was so funny because tommy jarvis was responsible for killing him and then ultimately responsible for making him this unstoppable force forever (laughs) that is so crazy yeah crazy ironic like the epitome of like irony like you know this series i feel like they always end on these head twisting did it happen did it really Mm -hmm. happen are they really in the canoe at the end because that's what happened to chris like you know she sure kind of going a little bit crazy at the end and you know just like after everything she went through and you know i mean i always like like to you know believe you know maybe just kind of Went through her little bout for a little bit, but then recovered, and, you know, so that, you know, for her character, because I felt like she was a really strong character, and I just just thought that the way that they had Jason in this, just because, and then that's why I really thought it would have been good just to really go into her story more, like, you know that you know thing with her and jason yeah because that's pretty i mean it was traumatic for her there's parts of her that she thinks that she might have imagined it have you heard this anthony there's a theory that her trauma and the fact that she doesn't want to be intimate with rick is due to associating this with a sexual assault as well i actually have heard that where people have said you know that he'd do something to her like while you know that that was why he left her alive like maybe he was you know attracted to her um because i've heard you know certain things that were deleted from the or i guess not really not deleted but omitted from like you know the script you know there actually was a scene well when her and rick are talking about how she's talking about what happened to her and uh how her and Rick yes. were hanging out that night. She gets dropped off back home and has that fight with her parents. It was actually Dana Kimmel who actually went to Steve Miner and said, how about we take this part out where we talk about how Chris and Rick made love for the first time. And she actually had that oh. omitted, you know. And I actually thought that that actually made it a little bit more interesting, you know, especially that fact about the sexual yes. component that, you know, Jason might have had. Like, you know, we know why would he, you know, after what happened, you know, he he would know this place. Yes. He would know Higgins Haven, like with her being there. So he yes. waiting for her. Was he did, did he kind of circle around every so often to see if she would come back? Or you know, it always certain things I always thought about that. You know, this film, like, was he really like after to try to kill her? Or is this all these little different things that I thought were really interesting? That you know, and I've heard other people kind of say that throughout the years too and so i'm glad i'm not the only one that's like you know kind of thinking you know kind of going outside the box here because it wouldn't be i guess the normal jason mo but what what else could explain i don't know that i mean i guess trauma i know i got a bit i never right (laughs) this is gonna be attacked by someone in the woods but i mean i guess trauma could make you but yeah she woke up in her bed doesn't remember how she got home and that apprehensive to be with rick although i gotta tell you anthony i think rick is one of the most unlikable <laughs> male characters in this franchise i don't know why i don't like rick oh man i always thought rick was kind of cool this seemed like he was like i always kind of just felt like he was one of those like you know a little bit like those all shucks kind of guys like you know especially when they, okay like a yeah, boy or yeah. something like that they talk about that scene where you know he's like i gave up a weekend to spend with mary joe conrad you know you know, yeah. <laughs> you know so kind of show i mean because you know it, i mean Honestly, he could have just, like, you know, kind of just said F it. And, like, you know, I'm going to, you know, hang out with Mary Jo Conrad. But, you know, he he chose Chris. Like, he really wanted, you know, to be with Chris. Like, you know, I could – you could always tell that there was just something about her that he was just in love with. But she just wouldn't let him in. Like, like he even said that he said, you know, I don't see you for a while. He said, when I do see you, put this barrier up. Like, you know, it's like he's trying to love her, but she's keeping him at arm's length. And I and I feel like in, it's because of this whole thing with Jason 
and you know maybe definitely yeah. oh but see now you make me like him a little better okay okay i'm i get him a little more he does know how to use farm equipment he throws yeah. the hay really good and he he lifts her up on the pulley right. so you know Rick, we... <laughs> other characters that are pretty well known from this entry shelly annoying or misunderstood a little bit of both <laughs> i mean i i actually know people like shelly like you know guys and girls that you know are trying to get attention and you know and it could be because you know they don't really yeah. get attention from anywhere else and they don't know how else to be they don't you know, they don't yes. mean any harm. It's just how they, I guess, in a sense, kind of, you know, represent themselves or, uh, you know, just something about them that, you know, this is the only way I can communicate with you. You know, like I said, I, I was bullied in school, like literally from third to 12th grade. I was just bullied. So oh, I know how, you know, just kind of being isolated and not really having anybody to talk to and you kind of like do things to maybe stand out sometimes and it just kind of falls flat because nobody really wants to be around you or you're not on their level and so in, in those regards i kind of relate to shelly i mean but i did see you know some of the you know annoying tendencies like okay well you scared us the first okay and then you're okay you're taking a little bit too far with some of this stuff you know but it was that really that moment with him and Vera when yes. you know, so I, you know, I really like you. And like, you know, she's just kind of like, you know, she's really trying to like let him down, like really easy. And if you just really watch his face, it's kind of like, oh, man, like, you know, you just feel really bad. Like, you just feel really bad for him. He's just like, man. And then, like, you know, when he scares her again and, you know, and she's like, you know, she's getting really pissed off at him. And he's like, well, you yes. don't like me. Like, you know, and that's his and that's his way, you know. So it, and so in many ways, I felt really, you know, sad for Shelly. But, you know, like I said, it was a combination of both things. But, you know, they they were like, you know, young. I always felt like they were young, like 19, 20, 21-year-olds. Yes, right. You get you get yeah. that sense, right? That they're probably yeah. twenty. Yeah, young. they're a little bit older. Like I feel like they're more like college, you know, because there. I think there was a line where Andy, you know, says the show like, you know, you're my roommate, and I like you, you know. So yeah, think like you know they're living off you know campus or something in like a you know. But no, little uh, like cheap apartment or something. And so, but even though they're you know you know in that young bracket, they're still immature, like you know, still growing, still you know figuring out who they are. And I always figured like a character like Shelly, you know, they eventually you know find their way. Yeah, that's why I feel bad that he does get this rep. I've noticed that he really gets this hated, mm -hmm. hated th for this episode. Either like you said, people really like him or yeah, they yeah. hate him. I really like him. I really liked him. Like like I said, because I can relate to him a little bit on some of those levels. You know, I feel like everybody can. Like, you know, I feel like, oh, you definitely. know, you have people. I mean, I felt like there were more people in school that felt like outcasts and people who felt like that they were like the popular kids or they, you know, even though some of them don't want to admit it. So, you know, they might try to pretend like, oh, well, my high school days were good. I, you know, but, you know, they're not telling you about, you know, this thing that happened to them and. You know, because they want to kind of project this image to you that, you know, oh, I'm good. Everything is yes. good. I'm good. So I really feel like more people can relate. And the people who, like, really feel like, oh, he's an, like, oh, he's an idiot. Those are, like, really the guys that probably were more annoying than the character of Shelly. Exactly. Amen. Yeah, I mean. That's right. <laughs> and I like that he's included with this right. group. I like that he's just out of all of them, he would be the the nerdy, geeky. So he would be this character that would be ridiculed. Mm -hmm. So I like that he was included with this. Uh, unfortunately, it, it led them all to right. death. <laughs> right. He does give us yes. the hockey mask, exactly. though. So I mean, if it wasn't for right. Kelly, where would Jason be? Right. It could have been anything. So I still say, so part three gave us a lot of like a little bit of everything like you know so like that's just like another reason why i love it you know it's just something a little bit different i mean plus when they they came out with the game a few years ago the friday the 13th game like higgins haven is like yes. the basically the foundation of the game that's where they are like you know they could have picked anywhere like you know in camp crystal lake but they chose higgins haven you know, so I thought that was, you know, really cool. So, so before I forget, this was the 3D entry in the series as well. That's oh, why yeah. we get the eyeball, the mm -hmm. pole, and the, these various kills. The snake with the yeah. string attached <laughs> to it. Right, it's like, oh, ladies. <laughs> it's like, we love you. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I, I totally, I do. I love every minute of it. Another character I really like is Vera. You mentioned mm-hmm. her, and I do think that she is really likable. Yeah, I like, yeah, I really liked Vera. And then the fact that, you know, she was um, Hispanic, from what I could tell. You know, yes, Hispanic. her mother should have never right. let her go. Like they should- <laughs> You know, <laughs> she told her not to go, and she did it. Like, <laughs> I mean, I love you know because I love diversity. Like, you know, I mean, like I said, I love the slasher era. I just wish there could have been you know more diversity. You know, I wish you could have had like you know some black female heroines, some you know Hispanic heroines, you know. Asian heroes, you know, anything that could have made, I mean, because there were so many different Friday the 13th, you know, they could have had anybody, any female in that role. You know what I mean? And- oh my god, yes! I mean, any, I would have loved that. What, I mean, what is the only one we got? Reggie? Reg- uh, Reggie Yes, in part five, I love it. That's, I mean, that's the only one I can think of that survived. Yeah. Who is for any diversity ever. And I think only because he was a kid. Yeah, I think you're, yeah. Which probably, I think you're right. I think, yeah, Reggie was the only one really in, to survive that was, you know, a minority in the cast. Like, I mean, I know they had, like, minorities in the cast, but they pretty much were all knocked off. Yeah, was it, I think, New Tina, New, was it New Blood? Yeah, New Blood. I think there's a couple, yeah. but then yeah, they're they dead. Yeah, they end up dying. Now, I remember hearing, and that, this is actually in my Camp Crystal Lake Memories book, one of the, uh, actresses was talking about how because they filmed part seven in alabama and no yeah kidding. yeah that one was filmed in alabama oh. and you know obviously it was kind of like in the secluded part because you know they're kind of like in the woods and such but you know they said like yes. you know when they weren't filming they would all kind of like go into town and hang out but she was saying how those two characters the two uh black actors when they would go out the place they oh. would get like these like looks from people and and it just kind of like really let them know like where they were like you know it was just like you know she just they just talked about how that was just like uncomfortable because you know these were you know actors from you know la who you know had to fly out but you know they're very you know open and you know not really used to like all that so they said it was even weird for them like you know like wow like you know they you know we're here just making this movie but there are just people there who you know have their you know, as I call it, dinosaur ways. That's <laughs> the truth. It should be extinct. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I just thought that was like, wow, you know. Because I feel like a lot of these were filmed in New Jersey from what I've seen. Yeah, the, the first two were New Jersey. Part three, four, and five were California. Part Ooh. six. <laughs> part six was Georgia. Part seven was Alabama. Weird, they, they could have just stayed in Georgia. Yeah. They, yeah. They they went all over filming these, and then what was it? Part eight was Canada and New York, and then part nine went back to L.A., and then obviously you know Jason X was in space, so no. <laughs> <laughs> Which was actually right. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I think they did film that one in Canada too, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. I think they did film that. I feel like that was when everything, I feel like in the 2000s, early 2000s, late yeah. 90s, when everything yeah. came out yeah. kind of like all the yeah. production. That's really like, true. It could, pass for, it could pass for New yeah. York, California, evidently. Everywhere. Everywhere was but Yeah, I mean, you're right. You assumed, yeah, not to mention that. Yeah, a lot of them were, because I think Halloween Resurrection was filmed in Canada, and that was like 2002. Freddy vs. Jason was that is 03, so- and that was Canada. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's crazy. Oh man. There's a, I, that whole thing that's going on with the rights. If we ever get another sequel. Oh man. I'm, I've always been, uh, I'm, I'm hoping they do another sequel because Fridays are just like, they're just fun. I mean, I always call them, they're fun Friday movies, like late Friday movies. Like, you know what I mean? I just yes. love watching them on a Friday. Like, you know, they're just, I actually had just watched part one again recently. That's, and I hadn't watched it in a while. And it's just, you know, when you just go back to them, it's just like, man, like, you know, man, this is where it started. You know, like, this is, like, the beginning of, you know, this literally this decades-long, you know, nightmare for, you know, these characters, you know. And they had no idea. No idea, like, to think, like, it starts with Pamela, and then it ends with Jason, and then the Jason that we get, zombie, space. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, the character of Jason is, like, he, I feel like he has been everywhere and almost has done, like, everything arsenio yeah. hall right into yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i love that oh man i mean each one was unique i mean you know each entry was unique in its own right 
character types and this story-wise and each person that played Jason. Uh, Richard Brooker is actually my favorite portrayal of Jason, which is from part three. And I actually did get to meet him before he passed away. Because oh, I think he is the only Jason to have passed away so far. I'm thinking, right? Yeah, I think he's the only one. And I met him back in 2009. Oh, what a world. Another world right. away. <laughs> simpler times again (laughs) he was just so laid back so cool like you know i just talked to him i told him that you know friday three is my favorite he was my favorite jason and you know he took the picture and he's like i'm basically like not even at his shoulders he's like so tall i'm only like five six so (laughs) he was like a giant they must be all so giant. You mentioned earlier, again, off camera, you you guys missed a great conversation. <laughs> Anthony has met every actor who's portrayed Jason, you were yes. saying. So they're all massive, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, they're, Kane, I'm sure, is yeah. oh, <laughs> humongous. Man. If you ever meet him, he usually when you do a picture with him, he'll just instantly wrap his hands around your throat. And I will see him before I had actually met him the first time. I was thinking like, oh, that's fun. Like, you know, yeah, just you know, act like you're all like, ah, I'm getting soaked. But then when he actually did it, dude, when I say like, when I had the picture in my eyes, I was like, I'm not even like trying to be like funny or act. I mean, he was, I was like, oh, like, and then they took the picture. I was like, and they're like, oh, that was a good one. I said, yeah, that was real. Because <laughs> I couldn't breathe. Really, ch- I said, I'm like, <clears throat> like man, like I was like, man, I need some water after this. Like, you know, like geez, I said, yeah, you really went out loud on that, you know. <laughs> Once that's over, does he switch off? Does he turn into like a normal conversation, or is he always in that mode of I'm in this Jason mode? I'm this. Honestly, like when you're just talking to him, you're just talking to him, and it's just like you know, like like talking to anybody else, and then it's like time for that picture, and then it's like. And then it's all over. Like, well, once the picture is <laughs> over, then it's like back to normal. I'm just like, whoop! I said, man. I wonder if anyone is, he starts signing like waivers before you you meet him, just in case you pass out. Oh man, <laughs> it makes for. I mean, it makes for good pictures, though. I will say that. <laughs> What are you doing, Jack? You are indeed all of you kind and generous young people. Look upon what his grace has brought unto me. What is that? I found this today. There were other parts of the body. That's an eyeball. But he said he wanted me to have this. He wanted me to warn you. Look upon this omen and go back from whence ye came. I have warned thee. I have warned thee. One of the things that happened in this movie, Anthony, is what would you call him? I call him the new crazy Ralph. It's that guy that you had mentioned that was almost mm-hmm. run over. He's holding an eyeball in a bag. That's just some crazy guy that they just wanted to shove an eyeball at the camera. <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, honestly, felt it was more for like just stuff for the plot. You know, I think he was meant to be sort of Crazy Ralph esque. You know, since Crazy Ralph was often, you know, part two. I felt like you know they needed like kind of like that, you know, foreshadowing character. Like you know, like you know, he said, he said "Look yes. what his grace has brought on to me." Like you know, just you know, he's just really like you know, just kind of like out there, you know. And so yeah, I felt I felt like he was more of uh, you know, like I said, more of a for, like a foreshadow character like i mean we all know as the audience that like okay yeah they're already in for it and like this extra like trying to let you know like okay turn back so yeah if this if this wasn't enough for you (laughs) this man in the road with his eyeball (laughs) still trying to always figure out where he got that that eyeball from like i don't know if it was like human or if it was animal and yeah, you know, I never knew. I don't know if he, you know, if he had went to the the store where the two were killed, and maybe <laughs> before the police had got there, just like, oh, just that. yeah, that. <laughs> What did you think of that opening scene with that couple, with that guy in that convenience uh, store, and he's just eating everything off the shelves? And I love those drinking. characters, man. Oh my god, they're just like so fun. Like that's what I love about the eighties. It's like they got these people who look like you know those type of characters. It's like nowadays, it's yes. like they always get like some 
you know, either handsome guy or, you know, beautiful girl. Just kind of down him a little bit by, like, putting, like, some makeup on him and all this. But then they actually got people who you would really, like, think, like, I mean, if I walked in, I feel like if I was somewhere in a rural place and went to a store, I would see them. Like, I'm like, yes, that makes sense. Yes. I would see this couple there. <laughs> like, and that rabbit would be eating the lettuce and everything in there. And I think that's a great opening just to even set up, like we were saying, the news oh, earlier yeah. showing what had right. happened. And I love that. I love when you go into a new movie and then it really correlates to the old, like to where we came from. As yes. opposed to like, yes. you go into the next one, then there's like really like no mention of like the, the last one. You know what I mean? I just... I just, I feel like it, it really blends nicely. Like, you know, I really like when, uh, you know, films do that. Like, you know, kind of like how even though Nancy wasn't in Nightmare 2, you know, they had her diary. So it kind of like, it's kind of like she yes. was there a little bit, you know, and then it kind of helped the new yes. characters. And then like you go into part three and then Nancy comes back really. And then like she's able to bridge in everything from part one to part two. And I, I just wish it, it didn't end. Oh, like gosh. Let's not even go there. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> it's so like, oh, like, why couldn't she just survive one yeah, more and then... I know. I know it was, it was, it was Wes. He, I think he wanted to kind of... Because I think at that point, they really did think the part three was going to be it. And I think that, you know, Wes was kind of like saying, because he didn't really have the reins of the, you know, kind of like, let's put the, the character to rest. But his original ending was far, to, to me, superior than the theatrical version that we got because in that version Nancy wasn't tricked. Freddie does glamour himself, but as he's going in, like she steps back and she's like, You're not my father. You know, she realizes and then Fred and he realizes and Freddie like basically turns back and then like him and Nancy basically fight to the death. Not where he tricks her. And I said that's more if if she had to go, I said that was more fitting to Nancy. And yeah, yes. but when the other two writers came in, they were like, they did it mostly for shock factor. Like, Nancy got stabbed. Like, oh, like, you know, as opposed to it being like a real clicking in with the story. You know, that's what, that's why, you know, Wes Craven, he will always be my favorite writer director because he really knows how to tell a story. So, and plus, I always love that he brought us New Nightmare even after part three. So then that brought her back to me. So, Yes, you got to see. Always thankful for New Nightmare. (laughs) That really is one of those movies that were um, just amazing to have. And the plot that it was just, uh, it's, that is a great movie, which I'd love to have you come back to talk about as well when we get to that. Definitely, definitely love to talk about that one. At the convenience store, we see a Velcro wallet. Evidently floats later on. I never knew the Velcro wallets float, but that's good to know. In the future. <laughs> and we get Shelly and Vera, and they meet Fox, Loco, and Ali. Ali. Yep. <laughs> and that whole scene, it's fun. Which, and then Shelly backs up into the motorcycle. Oh, oh God. Man. Poor guy. <laughs> oh. It makes sense later that it sets up the plot that Chris's van, when she's trying mm-hmm. to drive, that they took that gasoline right. out. So it's better than just having, oh, the car just yeah, doesn't right. start. It anymore. actually makes sense. It's not like, oh, the car doesn't start yes. all this. But it makes sense because they took the gas. So I'm glad that they had that. I mean, it enabled them to have more body count right. as well. Right you know, when they get killed. But I think it's smart things like that that further a plot and it's not just like, oh, oh yeah, Chris. Right. She just can't get that right. car to start. But I always love that she like clicks up the little thing and it's like reserve gas. And I was like, I remember watching, I said, that was a thing. <laughs> so they had like gas in reserve. Like they could just click that up. I was like, man. It's like, damn, she found it. Because even today when I rewatched it, she got that to go. Right. <laughs> I was like, man, I- just being young, I had no idea there was such a thing as reserved gas. I'm just like, man, I wish I had that, like, in my Honda. Like, <laughs> you know? yeah, I wish too. I wish like, too. man, that would come handy going on trips. I never had to stop for gas. <laughs> That's it. It's a magical 80s right. thing that only happens there, right. I think. Well, I love that they had the van. I always love because in the 80s, I always just call them the Scooby vans. Like, you know, just like that little crew. Yes, and it's like I said that just had to be like so much. They just made it look so much fun, like that little core group just in this van, like they're just smoking weed and just like talking. That's like they do the the reveal of the smoke coming right. out, like it's on fire. <laughs> I'm like, that's just like, cla- I mean, that's just like classic '80s. I mean, plus that was early '80s too. Like you know, this was '82. You know, so. 
some people have criticized there and they say like not many people because a lot of people like such as yourself love chris and all that mm-hmm. but they're saying she should have really warned the other people that there was, this was a possibility but i feel like she did mention something happened to her at least some of them yeah, yeah debbie definitely knew her you know debbie and her were best friends so like she knew and then andy knew you know yeah. You know, so people did you know, they did know that, you know, she was attacked, but you know, nobody but you know, but it had been like two years. Who could guess this, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Right, so, right. Who's guessing? You know, it? to them that's probably just an isolated incident. And, you know, they hadn't even heard about, you know, the events from part two at that point, you know. So nobody nobody really had any reason to be afraid. She was getting like these weird feelings because because you know nobody else would really see them but she was already on edge and i always feel like when you already yes. kind of been through something then you it's like you kind of gain another sense and it's just kind of like you know certain things that you might look at harder that, that other people just kind of might pass up you know just think like oh that's nothing but then to you because what you've been through is kind of like you know maybe i need to give that a second look or maybe we not or maybe we shouldn't just ignore that right away and Yes. Yes. So, so I don't. You know, like I said, she wouldn't have known that. Okay, now all of a sudden, I mean, she didn't even know who it was. So, you know, this could have been. That's right. That's right. Yes, it was just this right man. Because if you ever notice in part three, Jason's name is never mentioned one time. This is the only one where his name is not mentioned one time. Right. Because they don't. Yeah. Right. They don't even know anything of. It's not Cam Crystal Lake. Yeah. Good point. And I didn't even think of that. But yeah. It isn't yeah, mentioned. Yeah. He's just this assailant. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that that's why I said that's why I said part three just kind of is like set apart from like the other ones. It's kind of got like this you know different feel to it. But it always cracks me up though because you know you got all these. I'm like Camp Crystal Lake must be the like world's most amendable lake. Like I mean you got the Jarvis <laughs> family living on you know you, know, you got yeah. big, the actual. <laughs> campsite um you got higgins haven um and then in part five you have the cows for like you know teenagers who are going through all this traumatic stuff and that's right jeez well you know based on that the old nintendo friday the 13th game they had like oh the, man that, that map around the, the the lake that was looked like a lot of places or a lot right. of cabins everywhere, everywhere. Oh, side note, I never passed that game. Man, that game was like impossible. It was an anxiety. Yeah. It was... I felt like you had like a like a hundred cabins and like ninety eight of them were like empty. And then it's like you go into like, what am I looking yeah. for in here? <laughs> You're right. And then when you got to the cabin to try to maneuver into the rooms, it just like it would keep you going <laughs> over and around and around in a circle almost. And then Jason would just appear right. sometimes. All right, he would always get me. I'm like, I never be. It's like, is there like really a way to beat him at all? Or are you just like randomly walking and just get killed, right? I never, I never beat that game ever. My brother David actually beat it, but it took him yeah. years. Yeah. And I think you have to find a pitchfork, and it's like this whole crazy thing. And even trying to avoid his like little like punch out kind of like attacks that he swings you, I always die. Yeah, that is an oh, impossible man. <laughs> Part three, is there anything else that stands out for you that, I mean, you made some great points. And like you said, this is one of your favorites and it's one of these that you can keep returning to. And I bet you every time you see it, there's probably things that you think of and go, hmm, I wish, yeah, this was a continue, like you were saying earlier, or somehow they would have mentioned, oh yeah, Higgins Haven and this happened. Or is there anything that you would have potentially done in a sequel if you, if you had the reins of part for right after this not to put you on the spot that's the stuff i think about because i love fan fiction as well like i've done some of my own fan fiction oh those are the best kind of written it wasn't like completed but it was before i really got into like my own stories i would kind of go into stories that i would you know kind of new and just kind of make my own like little sequels to them like i did it with like nightmare and i did some with like halloween and of course friday the 13th but of course i took it from friday the 13th part three and it actually was chris she was older and uh it was again her going back to higgins haven years later now she has two children a son and a daughter 
and they go back to Higgins Haven and like they know the whole story of like what happened to her, what happened to her friends. You know, she just goes back just trying to like trying to put it to rest and or no, it was something I think I wrote something where uh her parents were trying to sell the Higgins Haven property and you know, she was like handling all that and she she really didn't want to be there but and then it kind of goes into her little backstory that she was kind of like in the uh, kind of like asylum for a little bit, just trying to like, you know, get better. You know, at the end, it just kind of set it up to, you know, something was going on, like, you know, just kind of messed her mind a little bit. Too bad she wasn't with uh, Tommy in a future sequel. Yeah. They could have met too bad. Oh, well, actually, in mine, I actually have her meeting Nancy Thompson, because if you ever read the uh, innovative comics for Nightmare at the end of part one, Donald Thompson sends Nancy to the asylum because she's talking about Freddie and he wants to like keep it quiet and he wants to put her there to just forget about Freddie and then she and Nancy meet you know the asylum so like they become friends and obviously Chris gets out a little bit sooner because the thing with Jason is people knew about that I'm like yeah he was a real right, right. A bit, you know <laughs> you know she had to you know kind of find her own way you know a little bit and then you know they would kind of remain friends throughout until you know Nancy was killed and and then, you know, she gets older and then, like, she has her kids. And um, while they're there at Higgins Haven, like, you know, they've built, like, you know, some rich kid's family has built, like, this nice, huge cabin on the lake. And there's, like, this huge party going on. And her kids want to go to, you know, the party. And, you know, Chris is, like, reluctant. But you know, ultimately, she lets him go. And Oh my god, this is perfect, right? And everything, it. you know, then everything happens from there, you know, like it typically does. So, oh my god, that could be a sequel. Right. Like, if we could do a continuation, that would be perfect right. because it's like one of those Laurie Strode, like we were saying, continued. Mm-hmm. You could bring a f- original final girl mm-hmm. back and then introduce the children and then continue it. I mean, if right. you, choose you know, to, you know, like to continue with the children, but right, ooh. you know, that's why I love fan fiction because you can just kind of do anything, but I always try to make it at least. You know, like semi, like have it make sense. You know, I don't want to like have it just be crazy. All this yes. stuff that's happening. Like, I want it to actually make sense. Like, okay, we know this story, and like, okay, now we have this extra story that goes with this. And I always just love when it picks up. You know, years later has gone by, and now you kind of just see how this person is now. Like after all this, so that's that was part of my, you know, what I did with that. Because seeing like what it does to a person, a survivor of something like mm-hmm. this, how it ever affects you, I think that is interesting. Mm-hmm. And there's so many opportunities that they could have done with these final right. girls. That's why I always say missed opportunities. Well, maybe not. Maybe your script will be the return to Jason when the rights come. Maybe. maybe. Sure. Awesome. No, I gotta like find that old script and like read like you know that was years ago. And I, I probably this I probably started doing that like back in like oh five or something. It's been so long. Oh my god. Oh my god. Now that brings me back. Oh five. Oh. Oh yeah. I know. I was like, I was writing a ton of like I I think I just graduated high school. (laughs) Oh, and there is like a little something kind of funny is uh Tracy Savage who plays Debbie, uh Chris's best friend. She after she did Friday three, she uh which I always thought was so funny about part three because it seemed like everybody kind of stopped acting not too long after they did part three and became like these huge, like, I think Dana Kimmel became a realtor. Larry Zerner became an entertainment lawyer. Tracy Savage became a journalist. Like, she covered, like, the O.J. Simpson trial. But Rick became a chiropractor. Jeffrey Rogers became a doctor in New York. So did the woman that played Chili. She became a doctor. So nobody stayed in the in yeah, the. Not, the not, I, mean, I think like several years ago, like or not, but a few. Like I think Tracy Savage came back and did like a like a horror movie. Like they just had her in it or something. Maybe they've all come back and kind of did like little things, but. In the grand scheme of things, they all had these like huge careers because for Tracy, like she wasn't gonna, she was kind of done with acting when Friday the 13th 3 came along. And uh, they was like, well, how about just one more, you know, because they're gonna film it like right here before you start college. So they're, cause they're like filming it, I think like in the fall or sorry, not in the fall, but in like the like spring, kind of like going in the summer, filming Friday 3. And she's like, okay, this would be kind of be like my last movie before college, you know, yada, yada. It was called Crystal Japan. Because they always kept the, the identity of the, of, of the 
that every Friday the 13th had like a suit name, like, and, you know, and then she said when she found out what it really was, she was super excited, and uh, <laughs> which I always thought was... Thank God she was yeah. excited and I'm going, oh no! Right, she was like, she said, well, she, said when she, found out, she said, I definitely want to be part of this, and it was kind of like her last movie, and then when she did their journalism thing, and she would do like certain newscasts, she was actually close to my area in Dayton at one point, because I live between Cincinnati and Dayton, it's, it's called Middletown, uh, you know. Perfect in yeah, the middle of... Big cities and, you know, Dayton is only like 15 minutes away, and she was part of like the Dayton like news they would have at, at one point. And I remember when I was a kid, I remember like her voice. So and then when I saw Friday through, I said, wait a minute, wasn't that her? And I would like go back and I was like, oh my gosh. But being so young, I didn't like, you know, know, you know, at the time. Of course, it's like someone, you like, you look familiar, but like, there's no way that that woman in Friday is the news lady. <laughs> but sure enough. Right. <laughs> So, Anthony, did you meet Dana, who plays Chris? No, I haven't. Uh, that's one of my... Is she not a convention person, or does she just... She she does do them. Like, I've seen her at several. I just missed her, because, like, I know she did one in Chicago one year, but I was going to another con, so I couldn't go see her. And then she did one in Arizona, which was a little, you know, it was too far for me at that point, and I know she's done random, yeah, right, random ones throughout. Because I've seen her picture, people taking her, you know, Google stuff, and you'll see her at cons. And I've seen her and Amy still doing panels together, like overseas. I think they went to one like at oh in Germany. Oh my god, that's so but cool! I say these last. I feel like the last one I felt like I saw her name attached to one was like 20, 2016, maybe. It's been a while. So she's just one that, so I've met all of my top five heroines except for her. She's the only one I haven't met. Okay, we're putting that out in the universe. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we got to get you to I meet know. her to complete oh, your man. collection. If I meet, oh, that would just be like, oh, I would have her something like, like Camp Chris, like Memories book. I would have her sign my Sweet 16 DVD. Everything oh. like oh like everything like I just want to like just talk to her and just like you know just tell her how much I love you know part three and how like you know she was kind of like you know a little bit of inspiration for you know one of my books my book's bloodshed that I wrote is actually a little like mm -hmm. have all of my top five heroines ingrained into like the main heroine of that oh man so like so far I've given it to so Heather has that one. Um, so, well, well, my top five is, uh, or sorry, is uh, Heather Lane Camp, uh, Nev Campbell, uh, oh, Ashley God. Lawrence, Dana Kimmel, and Marianne Hagen are my top five heroines. And they all have my book except for Dana and Ashley. They're the only two that don't have that book, Bloodshed. Darn. Oh my god, that's amazing though. Ugh, and Nev, oh my god, yes, yeah, she is she's amazing yeah. in the screen oh, franchise. I always felt like she was the Nancy of the nineties, kinda, like to me. Like, you know, she kinda had that Nancy esque quality about her. But she got to know. Live through everything. She's still alive. <laughs> I worry, Anthony. Every time, like, Scream or mm -hmm. one of these movies gets a sequel, I'm like, how are we going to believe that Gail, Dewey, you know, all these characters survive? I mean, we right. want them to, but, like, my No, and with Part 5 coming out, I'm just like, please don't kill off <laughs> Like, that way, I'll be so depressed. Oh. I'll be like depressed for like days if that happens. I'll like literally come home and just like watch part one over and over again. This never happened. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can only see it in part three. <laughs> That's right. That was the end. Not even four. <laughs> I had a blast talking about this with you. For the listeners out there that might be interested in checking out some of your books, I know they're available on Amazon. Yeah. If you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit where you could find those books so the lovely people <laughs> can reach out and find this very smart gentleman oh, here. Well, I appreciate that. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, yes, like you said, they are all available on Amazon. Best way to look me up. You can find, if you type in my name in the search engine, Mark Anthony Brownlee, comma, books. That's the fastest way you can find them. Or if you go to any of my social medias, uh, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. The link is always in my bio. 
easy access to those right away. All right, so I said links right here to the books right here. So if you are a horror fan out there and you love the slasher genre and you know want that kind of nostalgic feel as you're reading, kind of like reading and watching it at the same time, that's kind of like how I write. So if you're a fan of that, that's that's how I write. Full of diversity, you know, kind of set in the modern day. So there's a lot of a lot of nostalgia in there. Because that's, you know, those are the, the uh, you know, the parents and the grandparents. So always got to add that in there. So if you're a fan of those, that's that's what the books are about. I feel like I, I write them for I write them for everybody. You know, I never write it just for certain people. I write them for everybody. Different type of walks of life, the characters, you know, everything. So And that's beautiful. Well, that, that alone is wonderful because it's inclusive to everybody. You know, that's just part of my, you know, you know, personality. Anybody's interested in knowing about Anthony, you know, (laughs) that's, you know, that, that is, I'm just, I mean, I was just raised that way. You know, I was always, I was raised just like with the foundation of love everyone. Always growing up, like my, something my grandmother taught me as a kid. She just said, no matter, even if somebody's treating you wrong, love them anyway. You know, as much as they hate you, love them this part. Beautiful. So I, you know, I don't care who you are, where you're from, what your family's like, what I mean, whatever. To me, you're just another person. I love meeting all different kinds of people from, you know, like I said, all kinds of walks of life. You know, because I mean, that people to me make life interesting. It be kind of boring. That definitely. You know, yeah, you know, to meet the same person everywhere you go, it's just kind of like, uh, you know, okay, that's cool. But, you know, then you meet the person who's, you know, traveled all around the world and has done so much. They've seen so much and, you know, they have a different language and I just think that's really interesting. So I love that. I'm eclectic with music. I listen to all kinds of music and I'm eclectic with people. That's the best way to be because then you miss out on so much in life. So, Anthony, maybe you could send on some pictures we could post of you with some of the Friday cast. Oh, yeah, and, definitely, definitely. And if anyone would like to hear more from this gentleman, his books are available on Amazon. You heard how he is inspired by these movies. If you are a fan of this genre, Friday, Nightmare on Elm Street, these strong heroines, let's support this wonderful guy in his work. And you can reach the Radical Retro Rewind podcast, all one word, on Instagram, as well as finding us on YouTube, where you can find video format of the podcast and more and don't forget every week is double summer camp fun with rob's podcast movie geek and proud every wednesday also doing a summer themed episode this week upcoming wednesday is summer school from the 80s which i a matter of fact guest starred on as well and that movie is one of my favorites So thank you again, everyone, for listening. Thank you so much for Anthony as our special guest this week. And we will be back next week with Friday the 13th, the final chapter, question mark? Goodbye, Radical Ones. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.